Y'all can have a seat. Thanks for honoring me today. Another year older. <clears throat> so excited about that. <laughs> My brother, who's on the piano. That's not his first time singing happy birthday to me, by the way. <laughs> Many years he's saying that to me. Um, so thankful and grateful for no. Shut. Turn his, mute him. What is wrong with you people? A few years ago, you know, he's like, happy birthday. I'm like, yeah, another year older. He says, beats the alternative. All right, and I celebrate every birthday after this, right? Because it's life, 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 and we get to experience life and see Jesus in life and bring people into the kingdom of God uh, in this life, and there's nothing greater than that. You know, when I was standing here um, as my husband was talking and just talking about, you know, the season that we're in and what we're believing as a church for, the scripture came up, and, and I think it's so important for all of us this prayer that Peter prays for all of us, because I feel like we're in a, in a season where the world system is mocking, not just Christians, but God. The power of God, the promises of God, people who are standing, believing for the goodness of God, the world system is mocking that. So you have, you know, viruses stand up and look at the church, point their finger and say, shut up and sit down. You look at poverty and lack, they stand up, they look at the church, they point their finger and they say, shut up, sit down. They look at those of us who are going into the workplace standing for righteousness, refusing to gossip, refusing to spread slander, and it stands up and it says, you sit, shut up, shut up and sit down. Just shut up and sit down. It reminds me of this story in the New Testament when the church was being persecuted by the enemy, nothing new. They were trying to get the believers to shut up and sit down. Quit preaching Jesus. Leave us alone. Let us live in our dysfunction. Let us be sick. Let us die. Let us fight. Let us quarrel. Let us beat each other up. Let us walk in perversion. Church, quit preaching in the name of Jesus. Shut up and sit down. And Peter shows up to, 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 the, to, the, to the people, and he refused to shut up and sit down, received a lot of persecution for it. And I got to say, as believers in Christ Jesus, being a Christian is not just a, a day at the spa. It requires something. It requires an ability to say no to some things. But I want to say no to some things. Well, if you're going to be truly a believer that stands for righteousness to see the power of God work in our lives, we're going to have to stand up and say no to some things. And we're going to have to say yes to some things. Yes, there will be persecution. And that's the issue. We don't want that. So just let me shut up and sit down. But not us at Celebration. You just walked into the church that, is, that we're standing and we are declaring that we are going to see the goodness of God right here in this valley. And under the, we believe that we're taking over territory, that God has given us the keys to this valley. And we're going to lock some things out and we're going to let some things loose. And we're going to stand for the truth of the word of God. I refuse to shut up and sit down.
So this is what Peter says when they're trying to get him to shut up and sit down. He says, Lord, oh God. I have so many versions here, I don't know which one I want to talk about, which one I want us to read. He says, God, look at their threatenings. Look at their threats. He says, grant to your servants that with all confidence and boldness, they will speak your word. This is what I speak over you today. Lord, grant your servants with all boldness and confidence the ability to stand strong. Look at the threatenings that are coming at them. Give them the ability to stand strong and speak your word. It says, by stretching forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders would be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you know what happens, church, if we stay standing? And we don't shut up and sit down. Do you know what happens? Signs, wonders, miracles start happening in this valley. Healings start happening in this valley. Restoration of minds, clarity of vision starts happening in this valley. Wealth and riches come into our hands as we stand strong. And we refuse to shut up and sit down. I challenge you, church before we even get started in this message, that we are granted today with all boldness to speak forth the word of God. Granted, it's not our opinions, it's the word of God. The word of God. Not my ideas, not my ideals, not my preferences. Grant me with all boldness to speak forth the word of God by stretching out your hand to heal. God, that signs and wonders would be done through Jesus today. I declare in this room health and healing. I declare that by the stripes of Jesus, health comes to your body. I don't care what kind of virus is trying to attach itself to you. I don't care what kind of blood disorder is trying to produce some kind of havoc in your life. I don't care what your blood sugar level is doing, what your hormone system is doing, what your skeletal system is doing. I don't care about all that. I speak life into you today by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus, I declare to you, Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse. I declare into these cameras, into these homes, those of you who are in hospital rooms, I was looking on our YouTube channel. I see that we have someone in Valley Children's Hospital right now. I speak to you, Michael. Be healed in Jesus' name. May your body come in line with the word of God. May you be a miracle, a sign, and a wonder. Those of you who are watching because you have symptoms in your body and you weren't able to step into this building today out of consideration for the rest of the world, I speak into your body health and healing. I command fevers to go. I command viruses to dry up. I command bodies to come in line with the word of God. Those too depressed to get your butts out of bed. I speak restoration of vision. I speak life. I speak freedom from anxiety and fear. I speak God's provision and God's life to you. I say, God, stretch out your mighty hands and bring healing in Jesus' name. In Genesis chapter 12, God shows up to Abram, and he's like initiating this relationship with Abram. And he's like, Abram, man, I'm going to, I want you to get away from your father's house. We talked about this the last few weeks. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. 
And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And if you were to read, you'd see, man, from that point forward, Abraham started seeing. Abram started seeing this very word start to come to pass in his life. I mean, within just one short chapter, you see, man, his livestock doubling, wealth and riches coming into his hands. And God shows up to him again in chapter 13 of verse 16. He says, you know, Abram, your descendants are going to be like the dust or the sand of the earth if you can count them. So what happened was, you know, a war happened, Lot was kidnapped and Abram goes to the rescue, and he goes and he, he gets his son, his uh, nephew Lot back. And in, in, in that war, and in winning that war, man, he just reaps plunder. He takes over just an extreme amount of wealth, huge amount of wealth, prosperity, overflow, so much plunder and so much wealth. Man, the word of God started to be seen in his life. He started walking out the very thing that God promised him. Then in Genesis chapter 15, we come, it says, Later the Lord spoke his word to Abram in a vision, and he said, Abram, don't be afraid. Well, that's odd. Why would you tell Abram not to be afraid? It looks like the word is actually working for him. It actually looks like God's promise and God's plan is coming to pass. But God says, Abram, don't be afraid. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Then Abram starts revealing what it is he's really kind of afraid about. He says, Almighty Lord, what will you give me since I'm going to die without children? Eliezer of Damascus, he's going to inherit my household. You've given me no children, so the members of my household will be my heir said, suddenly the Lord spoke his word to Abram again and said, this man will not be your heir. Your own son will be your ruler, your heir. He took Abram outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord regarded that faith to be his approval of Abraham. You know, I don't know about you, but when God shows up with the promise, enemy hates that. If you don't know that by now, when God shows up with a promise, the enemy's always trying to steal that promise before it takes root in your belief system, right? So he's always coming in trying to figure out a way to throw a little deception at you, a little fear at you, to get you off course so you don't see God's good plan come to pass in your life. Enemy hates that. The enemy hates that you are on God's mind and that God cares about you, and that God knows you're here this morning, and that God has provided everything for your life and your enjoyment of life. The Bible says that. It says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came so we would have an overflow of life. So the enemy's no different now than he was then. God gives this amazing promise to Abram. All these certain things, I mean, that, that God spoke, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great. Um, yeah, all of that is starting to happen in his life. It's looking really good. But the enemy's getting in because he doesn't want the full plan to come to pass. So he's starting to throw seeds of deception. It's taking a little long, don't you think? Looks impossible. You're old, she's old, this is never going to work. You got all this money, now you got all this wealth now. Now what's going to happen when you die? It goes to no one but your servant boy because you have no offspring God promised this, you got this, but he didn't quite, I mean, just be satisfied with what you got, dude. It's okay. 
at least you're rich, right? Comes in trying to get us doubt, fear that God's plan won't fully come to pass. Apparently, this is what's going on in Abram's life. Otherwise, God wouldn't have showed up and said, don't be afraid. Apparently, there was a little bit of fear going on. So he shows up and he says, don't be afraid. Get this, it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't an encouraging word, right? It was an absolute. God showed up to Abram after he made the promise, and he said, do not be afraid. Now, up until that moment, Abram thought that was his only option because fear comes naturally. Doubt comes naturally. It's part of our... Our uh, fallen nature man, thanks to Adam, DNA. To doubt and to not walk in belief and to fear comes naturally. So in Abram's mind, it seemed like that would be the only option until God shows up and gives him another option. So uh, he says to him, uh, fear not. And then he gave him a reason why fearing was not his only option. He says, Abram, fear not, because I am your shield and your great reward. Okay, so that would be like, you know, us fearing sickness, us fearing COVID, us fearing disease, us fearing lack, us fearing, you know, not having enough, and God showing up and saying, don't fear, I am healer. Don't fear, I am Jira, right? Don't fear, I am provider, I am restorer, I am life giver, I am peace, I am, you know, whatever it is you have need of. And this is what I love when God showed up to, to, the, um, to the children of Israel, to Moses. He says, go tell them that I am sent you. It's like I am covers it all. Because what do you have need of? Well, I have need of peace. I have need of family restoration. I have need of, you know, my tuition being paid. God says, I am. I am those things. So he shows up to Abram and he gives him another option. You can either fear or trust that I am your shield and your reward. So Abraham starts revealing then his fear to God. He's like, the money's been great. The influences have been great. Thank you for all of that. Uh, the favor and the victories, they've been great, but I fear I'm not going to have any kids to pass it on to. And, you know, I like how God addresses this fear. Because now, now, if you heard me speak before, I'll go toe-to-toe with the best of them, and I'll rebuke, I'll cast out, I'll command, I'll demand, because I know the authority that I have in Christ Jesus. But in this passage, God doesn't address fear like that. He doesn't tell Abram, okay, you're fearing that. Don't fear Abram. Now, you better turn around, and you better look at that fear in the face, and you better start commanding and rebuking, and you better start casting it down, binding it up, and kicking it out. No. He dealt with the fear and the torment by giving Abraham a new perspective. He gave Abram a new perspective perspective. God challenged fear with a new perspective, a fresh new revelation of who God is. So God didn't say, I want you to turn around. I want you to start yelling at fear. No, God says, okay, that fear of not having kids, let me grab you and take you outside. He grabbed him and he took him outside and he says, the only way fear is going to lose its power is if you come outside and you start looking at the stars. 
As long as you stay in and start giving, and, and you're giving your ear to the tormenting sound and the taunt of the enemy, you're going to stay in that place of fear, discouragement, uh, frustration, anxiety, and defeat. I need you to leave that place and come outside, and I want you to look at something different. I got to have you look at something new. I need you to start looking at the stars. Fear has no power in and of itself. I'm going to say that again. Fear has no power in and of itself. Fear only has the power you give it. Fear has no power over your life if you don't give it power. Fear is a spirit. Fear is a taunting bully spirit. Uh, the more you give it your attention, the more power it gains. I don't know. Um, have you ever been taunted by someone, you know, maybe in junior high school? Maybe on your job. <laughs> maybe in your current life. I don't know. You've been taunted by someone. What, is, what happens in that? They use their words, and they just start trying to find your weak point. So they start talking about you. They start talking about your actions. They start talking about you know, your behaviors, and if that doesn't work, then they're going to start talking about your mom, and you're, they're going to, you, they talk about your mama, and they tell you what your mama is, and what your mama can do, and if that don't work, they start talking about your grandma, okay, you don't touch grandma, don't touch grandma, okay, you can talk about me, you can even talk about my mom, don't talk about grandma, right, and so what does the enemy do, what does that bully do, taunts you, provokes you, taunts you, provokes you, why, because it wants a reaction, because if he can get a reaction out of you, then he's got you. So he taunts, 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 taunts. And if you flinch, ah, that's where their weak place is. Those then he zooms in even more on that. Right? Oh, here's a symptom. Here's a symptom. Oh, they seem to be doing okay with that symptom. Well, let's try this one. Oh, oh, this one got him to Google search. Okay. Okay. Let's see what we can put on that feed. Okay. Okay. I get it. Right? Taunt, taunt, fear, taunt, fear, taunt, fear, taunt, right? So the more the focus that you give it, the more power it has in your life. Trying to get a response out of you. Does yelling back work? No, it just gets you back in the same fight. Does standing there just listening and taking it? No, work. No, because eventually it wears you down. And eventually you snap or you fall into a heap. You're right, you're right, you're right. I submit, drag me off, just stop talking, right? It doesn't work. The only thing that works to a taunting bully is a little chuckle and a walk away. What, what drives your social media stalker crazy? LOL and nothing or not even responding, irritates the heckamo out of it. Why? Because they want a reaction. They're trying to deceive you. They're trying to win. They're trying to dominate. They're trying to get their agenda across. And God knew this with Abram. If I can just get your voice and your ear away from the lying enemy, get you outside looking at the stars, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. So God took fear's power away by grabbing Abram and getting him outside, Get him to, getting him to look 
at what God had promised. He takes him outside, looks at the stars. God re-clarifies uh, Abram's purpose. Your descendants are going to be mighty. In you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. He says, you can stay in the tent and listen to the taunting of the bully, or you're going to come outside, and you're going to trust my plan. How do you get rid of that tormenting fear on your shoulder? you got to get outside. you got to start looking at God's promise. you got to stop listening to the voice of the enemy that's trying to harass you and taunt you and get you to let go of God's purpose and plan. And you got to get outside, and you got to start looking at the sand, and you got to start looking at the stars. you got to let God start re-clarifying his purpose and his plan for your life. Because if you can see God's purpose and plan for your life and know that that's God's destiny for you, then nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. So it's not just about binding and commanding and resisting fear. It's about refocusing on God as our supply and our answer. Kind of like, I don't know, you know, why have a pool at my house and my grandkids come over and swim? When they're really little, you know, and I'm standing there saying, come on, jump, come on, jump. And they're like, I scared, I scared. I don't look at them and say, you better turn around and you better speak to that fear and you better cast it down and bring it down and you better rebuke it. No, no. You know what I say? I say, look at me. Look at me. I'm your Roro. I will not let you drown. I'm helping you. I'm here to grab you. I will not let you fall. This is what God is saying. You jump. I'm telling you, this is who I am to you. This is who I am to you. God's plan for you is great. And when you know the plan, there is no place for fear. When you know the plan, there's no place for fear. In Mark chapter 4, verse number 35, uh, the story is told about Jesus and his disciples. And, you know, Jesus is talking with his disciples. They just had this, you know, big revival meeting, and they're getting ready to cross over uh, to the other side to have another revival meeting. He went from revival to revival. And it says in Mark chapter 4, verse number 35, On that same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, the disciples that were with him, let us go over to, other, to the other side of the lake. Leaving the throne, they took with him, took him with them just as he was in the boat in which he was sitting, and other boats were with him. And a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions arose, and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself, Jesus, was in the stern of the boat, asleep on the leather cushion. And they awoke him, the disciples did, and they said, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not care that we're dying? He arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Hush now, be still. The wind ceased, sank to rest, as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm, perfect peace. Then Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, Why are you so timid and fearful? Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? Now, Jesus, he's with his disciples. He opens his mouth and he said, let's go to the other side. Jesus declared the purpose of that moment. The purpose and plan for that moment was let's go to the other side. In the middle of here, and there, a huge storm started be beating against the boat. It was like a hurricane. 
the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus was sound to sleep. We might be thinking, well, how in the world can Jesus sleep when all this whole hurricane is happening around him? It's because Jesus knew the plan would be accomplished no matter what. He knew from here to there, it doesn't matter what happens between here and there. He knew that let us go to the other side was going to happen, whether there's a storm, whether they, you know, had a tornado, whether there was, you know, bandits and pirates. He just knew he was getting to the other side. So there was nothing to worry about, nothing to fear about, because he knew the plan. Now, the disciples, on the other hand, they were freaking out. Jesus didn't care that there was a storm going on because he knew his word would get him to the other side no matter what. But the disciples, they're freaking out. Jesus, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. Let me ask you, my intelligent Bible students, were they going to die? No. There is no way possible that they were going to die. No way possible they were going to die. Why? Because Jesus was on their boat. There was no way possible they were going to die. They just thought they were going to die. They just thought they were going to die because they didn't trust the plan. They were looking at the circumstances. There are going to be storms in your life. There's going to be things going on in your life, and you if you don't know God's plan for you, you're going to freak out and think you're going to die. I don't know. You know, I was talking to my husband about this the other day because I hear people sometimes go, I was so close to death. Were you really? Are you alive? Yes. Then you weren't close to death. God's plan for you is something different. Yeah, but I almost died in that wreck. But did you almost die in that? I mean, were you that close? Like, see, sometimes even those things produce fear. Right? I was so, I got to the doctor just in the nick of time. I almost died. Did you really almost die or was God keeping you alive because he has a purpose and a plan and a promise for your life? I'm of the belief God has a purpose and a plan and a promise for your life. And if we'll believe it and tap into it, we'll hit our mark without fear every time. How many, you know, I've been on certain flights, right? You'll fly from one place to another. And in that flight, there'll be some turbulence. And if you're not cautious, man, you start going, ooh, are we going to die? Are we going to die? How could this plane stay up here, right? And you're kind of living, you're biting your fingernails, and you're so nervous until you land, and then you're like, Man, if I would have known I would have got here safely, I could have just, like, enjoyed the flight, right, and not stressed out the whole time. Listen, God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he doesn't want you to live your life in fear and stress and worry. Know the plan, and there's no need for fear. Know the plan, and there's no need for fear. So Jesus didn't get up and say, you know, oh, you sorry disciples, you need to be rebuking that fear when it comes on you. 
No, Jesus said if you didn't like the storm, we were going to get there anyway. But if you don't like the storm, speak peace to the storm. Don't make me do your job for you. When you know the plan, there's no need for fear. We're going to end with this story. Paul. Paul knew God's purpose and plan for his life. When he had this encounter with God, man, he was a persecutor of Christians. And, man, thought he was working for God and for the kingdom of God, but was not. And Jesus revealed that to him and changed his whole life. And so Paul knew that he had a mission ahead of him and knew what God called him to do. And he knew his purpose for his life. And, and um, uh, at one time, um, Paul had to go stand, you know, before, he was always on trial for something because they always wanted to shut him up so because they didn't want him to preach in the name of Jesus. So they was always putting him on trial. So he had to, you know, was being shipped from one place to another to go stand in front of a certain governor. And um, in Acts chapter 27, um, as he was going to this other, uh, to this certain, stand before this certain governor, again, on the, on the sea, a, a big storm arose, and it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible storm, and everybody on board the ship was just panicking, and they're like, you know, throwing stuff overboard to lighten the, the load, and they're doing everything within their professional opinion and their professional power to keep this boat, I mean, from, from going off course. In Acts chapter 27, verse number 2, uh, it says this, um, Paul says this to the people he was sailing with when they were f- so frantic. He says, now I advise you to have courage. Paul's saying this. He says, no one will lose his life, only the ship will be destroyed. Paul says, I know this because an angel from God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood by me last night. The angel told me, don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to present your case to the emperor. God has granted safety to everyone who's sailing with you. So have courage, men. I trust God that everything will turn out as he told me. All right? So Paul was given the plan. This is what's going to happen. The ship may go down and everything may go down with it, but not one person is going to lose its life because it's very important that you get before the emperor. Okay? So 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 the ship was falling apart. Did Paul have to be afraid? No, because he knew in the end, no matter what, no matter the process of getting there, he knew he was going to stand before the emperor and he knew his life was going to be spared. So the storm continues. The ship breaks apart. They find themselves on an island. And yes, just like God said, they're all safe. Whoo, that was awesome. Man, we went through this storm. The ship broke apart. Uh, It was just like Paul said. Acts 28, verse number 3. It says, now Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks. It says he was laying them on a fire when a viper crawled out because of the heat, and it fastened itself on his hand. Other translations will tell you it was a very poisonous snake. It was very poisonous. Well, God didn't specifically say anything about the snake now, did he? He told Paul about the boat breaking up. He told Paul that, you know, they were going to go shipwreck on an island. But they didn't say anything about a poisonous snake bite. This would be a great opportunity to start freaking out if you didn't know God's plan to begin with. And the plan was you will stand before the emperor and be able to state your case. 
So even in the midst of this poisonous viper, it said when the natives saw the little animal hanging from his hand, they said to one another, doubtless this man's a murderer, and though he's been saved from the sea, justice, the goddess of avenging, has not permitted that he should live. And it says then Paul simply shook off the small creature into the fire and suffered no side effects. How can that happen? Why didn't he freak out? Why wasn't he running around going, this is not supposed to happen? Why is this happening to me? This is not supposed to happen. Because he knew the plan. And when you know the plan, there's no fear in the plan. He had no reason to fear because he knew no matter what, he was going to stand before the emperor. Even from that point, even if wild hyenas and coyotes and mountain lions came out and started, you know, lurking around, starting to try to rip people apart, he would not fear. Why? Because he knew. God already said, I'm going to stand before the emperor and state my case. No fear, because he knew the plan. He simply shook it off. He didn't scream. He didn't rebuke it. He didn't beg God for mercy. He didn't ask God, please don't let me die from this. Because he knew the plan. He already had it settled in his heart that he trusted God. Uh, he said, I trust God that everything will turn out just like he told me. He already purposed in his heart, I trust God. I trust God. No matter what happens between now and then, I trust God. Goes on to say, however, the people, they were sitting there waiting, expecting him, for die, him to die. Hmm. And when he didn't, then they thought he was a God and celebrated him. And, you know, that's why when God would take his people into battle all throughout the Old Testament, he'd show up to them and he'd say, listen, you're going to go in and fight. Don't fear. Be courageous. And he'd give them the plan. He wouldn't give them every detail of the plan, but he'd give them the outcome of the plan. And because they knew the outcome of the plan, they could go in bold, strong, victorious, ready to do battle because they knew in the end they win. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this about you. Well, I don't know what the plan of God is for my life. Can I tell you God's plan for you is good? I think we've been hiding in the tent, listening to the bully, and that bully can talk you out of the promise of God. That bully can keep you in there long enough and you miss that opportunity to be everything that God's called you to be. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. So I don't have to fear between now and then. Why? Because I know in the end, God's promise is peace, not disaster, future filled with hope. I don't have to fear a doctor's report. Why? Because God has given me plans for peace, not disaster, to give me a future filled with hope. I don't have to fear a recession. Because God has given me plans for peace, not disaster, to give me a future filled with hope. I don't have to be freaked out because my kids are going back to school and I just don't know. I'm kind of freaked out about that. Because God's plans for me are plans for peace, not disaster, to give me a future filled with hope. 
It doesn't matter what relationships look right now, like right now. It doesn't matter what, uh, what money looks right now because God has given me plans for peace, not disaster, to give me a future filled with hope. So that snake bite, I shake that little creature off. I'm not going to cry and beg and ask God why me. I know the plan. Fear has no power. I love this in Psalms 91, and we're going to end with this. Psalms 91, if you've never read it, you need to. Read it out of every translation you have. Psalms 91, it's God's promise for you. Listen, when Abram was fearing and God showed up and said, don't fear, he gave him a new perspective. You're going to continue to fear if you keep sitting in your tent. If you don't look at something new, you're not going to go anywhere new. If you're not going to do anything different, you're going to keep getting the same. Your money's going to look the same. Your kids are going to look the same. Your health is going to look the same. And in fact, it doesn't look this even, not even going to look the same. It starts looking worse because that's how the enemy works. He just continues to pervert because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But when you start doing something different, okay, well, I got to start somewhere, right? I've been listening to the fear of sickness. That's why I don't go anywhere. I'm sitting in my home because this new Delta variant just so, 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 so contagious. And it is contagious. But when I know God's plan, I don't have to fear. You could talk about anything, money. I just feel like right now in our, our world system, that's just the, the big elephant in the room always, trying to shove us back in a hole. Did I tell you I'm not gonna shut up and sit down? Okay. Got my girls, got my girls, got my girls. All right. Psalms 91. It says, you can go to, the, to God most high to hide. You can go to God all-powerful for protection. Why don't you just let that be your meditation for a while? Don't fear, I'm your protector. I am your all-powerful protector. It says, I say to the Lord, you're my place of safety, my fortress. My God, I trust in you. You know, sometimes you just got to make a decision. I'm not going to fear. Not I'm going to... I'm going to work my way out of it. It's not something you work your way out of. It's something you just, you conquer fear by stepping into trust and stepping into obedience and just taking the jump. I say to the Lord, you're my place of safety, my fortress, my God, I trust in you. God will save you from hidden dangers and from deadly diseases. You can go to him for protection. He will cover you like a bird spreading its wings over its babies. You can trust him to surround and protect you like a shield. You'll have nothing to fear at night. Yeah, but I heard a noise. You have nothing to fear at night. No need to be afraid of enemy arrows during the day. You'll have no fear of diseases that come in the dark or terrible suffering that comes at noon. Oh, a thousand people may fall dead at your side. 
10,000 right beside you, but nothing bad will happen to you. You know, sometimes it's easy to look at the people around you and you look even at sometimes your own circumstance and your own past situations. And you kind of judge God's faithfulness on what you thought in, you saw in someone else's life or someone, you know, in your previous situations. And we got to be cautious not to do that. Because I don't know about anybody else. I only know about me. I don't know about anybody else's conversations with God, anybody else's trust in God, anybody else's anything with God, anybody else's purpose or mission. I am only responsible for mine. It says all you have to do is watch and you'll see that the wicked are punished. You trust in the Lord for protection. You have made God most high your place of safety. So nothing bad will happen to you. No diseases will come near your home. He'll command his angels to protect you wherever you go. Their hands will catch you so that you won't hit your foot on a rock. You'll have power to trample on lions and poisonous snakes. The Lord says if someone trusts me, I'll save them. I'll protect my followers who call to me for help. When my followers call to me, I'll answer them. I'll be with them when they're in trouble. I'll rescue them and honor them. And I'll give my followers a long life. A long life. It's my encouragement. Y'all, we hear the news every single day. Pumping, 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 pumping fear. Right? Yeah. Social media, pumping fear. Commercials, pumping fear. It's time we take out the word of God. Come out of our tent. Start looking at the stars. Start looking at the sand and start looking at the stars. Start looking at God's promise. It's a representation of God's promise. If you have to photocopy, get all your Bibles, open them all up to Psalms 91 and read them every day, I encourage you to do so. Because you will not walk in Psalms 91 only hearing it this one time. Because I can guarantee you the bully's not going to stop talking. So you better make sure that you're standing away looking at something else on purpose. And as you do that, God's purpose and plan shall be seen in your life. And there will be no fear. I believe God is stretching out his hand, bringing health and healing. Father, we thank you today for your word, for your empowerment, for your life. God, I thank you for your word that brings life. Thank you for the sand and the stars. Thank you that we don't have to listen to the taunting of the liar. God, that we don't have to stand in the, the liar's presence and continue to hear just the taunt and the taunt of the bully. Father, we walk away from that. We come with you outside. And God, we on purpose start looking at the stars and we start looking at the sand and we start seeing the promise of God. Father, we refuse to continue looking at that doctor's report over and over and over and meditating every piece of information in it. God, we get that by the stripes of Jesus in Isaiah 53, that by the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. The word of God brings health to us. The life of God flows in us and through us. And, and the word of God brings life. You sent your word and brought health. You redeemed us 
from every curse and every sickness and every disease. And we stand in that. We focus on that. That's our attention. That's what we look at. That's our constant source of, 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 of information is the truth of your promise. God, help us to see again the purpose and the plan that you have for our lives. God, your purpose and your plan is good. Your purpose and your plan is peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing broken. God, we walk nothing missing, nothing broken, and we silence the voice of the enemy. We refuse to listen. We refuse to give him another moment of our attention. God, we place our expectation 100% fully, totally on you. With long life, you shall satisfy us and show us your salvation. God, we believe we'll be healthy and strong all of the days of our life. God, we believe that you have given us the mind of Christ, soundness in our mind. Soundness, I speak soundness, I speak peace. God, you said you confirm your word with signs following. As the word goes forth, power goes forth. God, I believe that power, the light of your word, is illuminating the dark places, bringing life and clarity, fresh vision, fresh expectation. God, that we stop expecting average and we start expecting good. Excellent. We stop expecting not enough and we start expecting more than enough. Money's not an issue. You promised, so money's not an issue. You promised that we would be the lenders and not the borrowers, so whatever happens between now and then, we're not gonna fear. We're gonna hear, we're gonna be obedient, we're gonna do with our money what you said, and we're gonna be the lenders, not the borrowers. We believe health, strength, restoration. God, we believe that Celebration Church is a city on a hill, drawing the broken, the oppressed, the drug addicted. God, those with things, incurable things, because they encounter the presence and the freedom of Christ here. God, that lives are transformed and changed because we're standing. God, we give you thanks. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this place, I want to give you an opportunity. If you, if you have not received Jesus and made him your Lord, God loves you so much. Then our worst state, the Bible says, God loved us and sent Jesus to live a perfect life and to die a death that should have been ours. But he gave his life for ours so we can actually live victorious and experience his life here on this earth. It's a free gift. I'm going to give you the opportunity today to receive Jesus, to give your life to him if you have never before. Let's all pray this together. It's more than just words. It's a belief in your heart. It's a surrender. It's saying, I'm not listening to the enemy's voice anymore. I choose God. My way's not working. I need God. Let's pray this. Father God, thank you for the gift of your son, for loving me so much that you sent 
Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, who died in my place, giving me his life for mine. I trust you, God. I put my hope in you, God. I declare Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. God, I thank you for every person that made that decision. I believe great and mighty things, God, have begun in their life. Everything's been made new. Old things are gone. Walking in the new life that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.